Welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell J.R. Samuel of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. So 14 miracles today. <laughs> 14 miracles. Who's one of them? <laughs> Permanent. Permanent. Yes. Ephesians 3:17. It's the summer of love. So we've been talking about love. And we're going to keep talking about love until heaven comes. And when we get to heaven, that's going to be our conversation in heaven. How loved we are. I believe that right now in heaven, angels are crying, holy, holy. Holy, 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 because that's what they see. But when we get to heaven, we're going to change the song. <laughs> love, 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 love. See, the revelation that the angels had of God was his holiness. But the revelation humanity has of God is his love. So when we get to heaven, the song is going to change. We're going to talk about how holy he is in his love. And we're going to talk about how loving he is in his holiness. You see, when, when Satan and the, and, the, and the angels that went up against God fell, they didn't have a second chance. They rebelled against God once, and they were cast out of God and cast out of heaven permanently. Adam and Eve, including us, sin, not just once, <laughs> twice, three times, four times, five, six, seven, eight, thousand, a million, a billion, a gajillion times. And he forgives us over and over and over and over and over again. Satan sinned once. He couldn't come back in. There was no room for forgiveness. No room for repentance for Lucifer. But we, the sons and daughters of God, we sin. And we sin, and we sin, and we sin, and his love never changes. You see, there was a revelation that the angels didn't see until they saw us. They didn't see that side of God until they saw it in us. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 3 that we are showcasing the manifold wisdom of God, that even the angels and the principalities are watching. And they have never seen this before. They knew God to be holy. 
but they didn't know him to be love. Are you getting this? This revelation is unique to us, humanity. This revelation is unique to us, flesh and blood. And I want you to grab a hold of the depths and the length, the, the, the extremities of what this love really means. Satan didn't get to experience this love, but we do. So if you want to add another reason as to why Satan hates you, it's because the love that God shows us, he didn't show him. So he's already tight because you were made in God's image and God's likeness. He wasn't. He wanted to be. And but we also have received the kind of love that he didn't get to experience. So let's watch uh, Ephesians chapter 3 really quick. The Bible says, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation, verse 9. My passion is to enlighten every person to this divine mystery. It was hidden for ages past until now and kept a secret in the heart of God, creator of all. The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm, God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. This perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus Christ so that now we have boldness through him and free access as kings before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. My dear friends, I pray that you will remain strong and do not be discouraged or ashamed by all that I'm suffering on your behalf for it is for your glory. Watch this verse 14, so I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on the earth. And I pray that he will unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. I'm going to stop right there. Using your faith, Paul is telling us here, is by believing how much God loves you, how much God loves us using our faith to believe in the love that God has for you is the key to unlocking the fullness of God. That God will never stop loving you. And God will never stop blessing you. God will never turn his back on us. God will never abandon us. God will never forsaken us. God loves us perpetually. God loves us unconditionally. God loves us continually. God loves us permanently. God loves you presently. He never stops. He always loves. Say, I am presently loved. 
Some people think that one day God will love them. I want you to know that you are loved right now. As you are, where you are, you are loved right now by the Father. And you know what happens? God loves what God's love does to us. God's love transforms us. God's love is transformative. Because the Bible says, as you know his love, you will be filled to the fullness of God. There is a release that happens deep down inside of you in which God begins to stir up the very nature of who you are. We learned last week that you can't be your best self without knowing how loved you are. If you missed last week's teaching, you got to uh, listen to that in the podcast because it's so important. And one of the things the Father began to highlight to me about love is that if God is love, which is what we learn in 1 John chapter 4, God is love. If God is love and God created us in his image and in his likeness, then love is not something that I'm learning how to do as much as it is something that I'm learning to become. You are not trying to love. You are learning to become love. God wants you to be love. Not just to do love. Be love. This is who you really are because you were created in the image and likeness of love. What's the difference between doing something and being something? <laughs> you can do something that you're not. You can do something that you're not, but when you are something, it flows out of you. It's innate. It comes out of you effortlessly. And there is a transformation taking place in the hearts of God's people where they are seeing themselves no longer as sinner, saved by grace. They are seeing themselves as loved, like daily loved sons. Ephesians 5 verse 1 tells us, be ye therefore imitators of God as dearly loved children. Imitate God. Everybody say imitate. imitate. Emulate. Be like God. And then the Bible says in verse 2, and walk in love. That the way we actually live like God, operate like God, function like God is through love. This lets us know that we must make love the number one goal in our life. Watch this. If I was to ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't care how old you are. You should still have some goals, right? What do you want to be when you grow up? Somebody will say, when you're a child, you ask that question to a child, and the questions you might have say, hey, I want to be a, a basketball player, a firefighter, an astronaut, doctor, a superhero. 
the President of the United States. <laughs> right? Somebody would say, I want to, this is what I want to be when I grow up. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll highlight an occupation or a career. No, I say, I want to be wealthy. I want to be rich. Okay. Now, what does a son want to be when they grow up? Like their father. Whatever the father is, that's what I want to be. When you become a son. So, when God adopted us into his family, and we became sons and daughters of God, the number one thing sons want to be like is their father. That's what Jesus said, right? He was 12. He said, I'm, I'm about my father's business. The son of God, when he lived his life, all he wanted to be was like his father. Whatever the father does, that's what I do, because I'm a son. Why is this important for us to get? Because if our identity now in Christ is that we are now sons of God, that means the number one thing we all should want to be is like our father. And if we discover that the father is love, the greatest desire of our hearts should be to be love, just like who our father is. Therefore, be imitators of God as their children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. You see, so when you're an orphan, when you're an orphan, you have no one to look up to. And you have no one to live up to. An orphan doesn't have a father to look up to. So they have to find their identity in things and stuff and places and people. But when you're now a son of God, the motivation of your life changes. The orientations of your life changes. Because I know who I am and I know who, whose I am, now my, my, my very desire and drive in life is to simply become all that the Father says I am. And not only that, to be all that he is. So as I close, Ephesians 3.17 says this, Christ once is dwelling in our hearts through faith. What kind of faith? The faith in his love for us. Christ is dwelling in our hearts in faith so that we can be rooted and grounded in love. Notice what the Bible says. Christians need to be rooted and grounded in, Andre. Rooted and grounded in what? Love. When many of you got saved, you were probably forced to be rooted and grounded in doctrine, bylaws, 
<laughs> you were rooted and grounded and told to be rooted and grounded in to-dos for God, things you have to do for him. The foundation of your life was been built upon what you had to do for him. But the Bible says that we need to be rooted and grounded in love. Unconditional love. That is our root system in Christ. And if we're not rooted and grounded in love, guess what? If the root isn't love, then the fruit won't be love. Come on. The fruit won't consistently be love because we haven't been rooted and grounded in it. So we wonder why Christians are still nasty at times and still have bad attitudes at times and still snappy at times and just as mean as the world or worst. Because this revelation has not, it has not become our root system. We are to be rooted and founded in love, church. Love is our invisible inner source system, just like the root system of a tree or the foundation of a building. If I build on the wrong foundation, everything else will be wrong. Our foundation is the love of God. I know that's new for many of you. See, it's not just something we add to the Christian faith. It's the very foundation of it. And so I, I need to challenge you to get you to begin to assess the fruit of your life. Because if the fruit of you is, is not coming out, it's not mercy, it's not forgiveness, it's not patience, it's not kindness. Love is patient, love is kind, love is, what else? 1 Corinthians 12. Long-suffering, gentleness. Come on. These things should be the fruit. It's the fruit of who we are in him once we've been rooted and grounded correctly in the right soil. And rooted and grounded in what? Unconditional love. Not opinionated love. Not sometime-ish love. Not preferential love. Not I love you if you love me back love. That's the love in the world you find. But God's love, agape love, unconditional love, means that no matter what you do, I love you. We have to grow up, church. Maturity looks like love. <laughs> because when we love, God gets to God gets to express himself in us. God gets to fully express himself through us when we love. The spirit of God that lives in you, he gets to express himself when you love. Because that's who he is. When you choose to love, you get, you're letting God be seen in you. When you choose to be merciful, you're showing God to the world. 
And if you're not showing God, then Jesus called, said in John 8, then you have your father, the devil. Because there's only two options. <laughs> there's only two options. You can either be like God or you be like the devil. He's the God of this world and there's the God of heaven. Any other way of being outside of love is the, of the devil. Uh-oh. All right. You, just so you don't think I'm saying something. Book it for you. John 8, and then I'm going to go right here. And that's it. Say what? John 8, 32. John chapter 8. <laughs> when you... I'm going to read, uh, I'm still, I got my, trans, my passion translation, so. Verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to, em to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. Or if you know the truth, the truth shall make you what? Free. Surprised by this, they said, but we're the descendants of Abraham. We're already free. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How could you say that we'll be re released into more freedom? That's no different. People today say, how can you say I'm not free? I don't got chains on me. I'm nobody's slave. Jesus said in verse 34, I speak eternal truth. Jesus said, when you sin, you're not free. Okay. When you sin, you're not free. You've become a slave in bondage to your sin. And slaves have no permanent standing in a family. <laughs> like a son does, for a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son and be unquestionably free. My God, oh man, I wish I had more time. Jesus said, if you sin, you're a slave. So, so here's what he's saying. Because now remember, Jesus is talking to Jews pre-cross. So he's talking to a group of followers before he went to the cross to die for their sins. So he's letting them know, don't think that because you're starting to follow me, you still don't need salvation. He said, if you continue in my word, because remember, Jesus has taken us somewhere. If you continue in my teachings, then you will be a true disciple, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But they had Jesus. But they had Jesus. But Jesus is saying, no, if you keep following me, you're going to know the truth. So they had a glimpse of Jesus. They had some information about Jesus, but they didn't have a revelation yet because the greatest revelation of Jesus was going to be discovered at the cross, right? Because that was when they're going to discover the reality that he truly was the son of God. He truly was the Messiah. But here's, here's my point. He's talking to people who, who, didn't, who were not saved yet. They were just followers. He said to them, slaves 
have no permanent standing in a family like a son. For a son is a part of the family forever. So now Jesus is talking about sin, but then he starts talking about family. Letting us know that the issue of sin is an identity issue. It's an identity issue. He says that once you come out of sin, the alternative is you become a part of the family of God. And if you're part of the family of God, you can no longer identify with sin. Are you following me? You cannot be a sinner and a son at the same time. And you cannot be freed from sin unless the son sets you free from sin. So if you have a sinner mindset, you're not free. Are you seeing this? So you have to remove the sin identity and put on a son identity. You put on a son identity and you become a part of the family, right? So you can't think sin and son at the same time. Come on. And look at what he said. A son has permanent standing in the family. See, a slave can do what a son does and never be a son. A son can do what a slave does and still remain a son. <laughs> Like a sinner can do something righteous, but not become righteous. But when Christ makes you righteous, a righteous man can sin and still be called righteous. Because you have permanent standing in the family. The prodigal son never stopped being a son. I, don't, I want you to get this. That's why you got to graduate. Stop looking at yourself as a sinner. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. That's your identity. It's an identity. And if it's your identity, you can't stop being a son. <laughs> no matter what Preston does, he can never stop being my son. He has my name. He has my blood. <laughs> my face. <laughs> he can never stop. The prodigal's God, the, the Bible doesn't say that the, the, the son who left home, although he walked away from his inheritance, he could not walk away from his identity. You need to understand this about you. Let me tell you a mystery. Because the Bible says that you were in Christ before the foundations of the earth. <laughs> so although Adam sinned, in God's mind, he never God never changed his mind about us. This was always the plan. The plan was he was going to create a family on earth in his image and his likeness. Before we were lost in Adam, we were found in Christ. We were associated in him. We think, see, Adam thought he was no longer a son. That's what sin does. That's why you become a slave to sin. Because you become a slave to your own thinking. You become a slave, a slave, a slave to your own false beliefs. 
You become a slave to your own. The Bible says you, we were alienated in our minds, separated ourselves from God. God didn't separate himself from us. We separated ourselves from him. So the father sent the son, Jesus, watch this. He sent the son to show you who you really are. Jesus is the original blueprint. We were made in the image of God. Colossians 1.15 says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So we were already made in his image. Adam was made in the image of Jesus. Jesus was before Adam. And you were in Christ before the foundations of the earth. He said the same love the Father has given me, he has given to you. So God doesn't love Jesus more than he loves you. He loves you equally because when he sees you, he sees Jesus. When he sees Jesus, he sees you because that's your original blueprint. He is your mirror. I got to stop. <laughs> Jesus is God's mind made up about us. Jesus is God's mind made up about you. God will never change his mind. God cannot change his mind. This is what he ordained. This was his eternal opinion. He decided before we were even born that we would be made in his image, his likeness. We'll be his sons. We'll be his daughters. We'll be his family. And all the serpent did was slither his way in to the garden to get man to begin to doubt the truth. That's why he said you would know the truth. Truth will set you free. What do we need to be free from? Sin. Because if you sin, you're still a slave. But we think the sin is behavior. <laughs> The sin is the belief about who we are. Come on, are you getting this? If you don't believe that you are righteous, you won't live righteous. If you don't believe you are a son of God, you won't live and carry yourself like a son of God. If you just think of yourself as a churchgoer, that's all you're going to live. But God has, invite, has invited us into the family of God. That's where the glory is. That's where the supernatural is. That's where the miraculous is. That's where the, our true identity is. Any other thing is false. It's false. It's a lie. So if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son and be unquestionably free. Be unquestionably free. Be unquestionably free. Let no one, no one is going to be able to challenge your identity. No lie from the enemy is going to be able to break you out of this place. You are becoming rooted and grounded in love, H4G. You're going to be rooted and grounded in this powerful soil that you cannot be plucked from. See, and that seed that you are, you, can you get planted in there? When you come into full blossom, full maturity, all people are going to see is God's love.
his grace, his mercy, his kindness. The world is looking for that love. It's groaning and waiting for that love. That's what the sons of God are. Jesus walked around this earth knowing how loved he was. Did Jesus have problems? Did Jesus have challenges? His first day preaching, he, they tried to kill him. <laughs> Just because you have challenges or problems don't mean you're not loved. Doesn't mean that at all. It's in the challenges and the problems that we get to discover God's love. In the middle of it, we get to mature and grow up in, our revela in the revelation that despite of, despite of the circumstances, despite of the, ail the ailments, despite of what I see, I know the truth. And guess what? That truth will make you free. That truth will pull you out of every situation. That truth will bring you out. See, when John the Baptist was in prison, he began to doubt whether or not Jesus was the truth. And the Bible says John the Baptist never made it out of that prison. Who was it, Herod? All right, beheaded him, killed him. Which I really believe John could have got free. But John began to doubt who Jesus was because he was in a prison that he thought he was entitled not to be in. I've been preaching and preparing a way for him. How am I in here? Don't think because you're a son of God, you're entitled to a life, a, a, a problemless life. In this world, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have problems. But the glory of God gets to be revealed in our problems. The glory of God gets to be seen in how we handle our problems. We're in this world, but the world gets to see that you're not made up of the same stuff as them. And when the world sees you walking through the trials and problems that they're going through, but you have a joy, you have a peace, you have an assurance that they don't have. Hello. That's, what, that's how you're in, but you're not of. You look like, but you're not like. <laughs> Come on, let's celebrate Jesus. Come on. Come on, let his love begin to break through, man, permanently. I want to be rooted and grounded in love, man. We can talk for hours about this. But I want to just end right here. I want you to make God smile one more time and just believe how loved you are. Before the foundations of the earth, God made up his mind about you. Paul said it, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, principalities nor powers, things present nor things to come, nothing will separate us from the love of God. Inseparable.
That's who we are. Who was that, Frank Sinatra? Nat King Cole, sorry. <laughs> I just knew it was old. It's a school. But that's who we are, church, inseparable. See, even a lot of these love songs we sing, we got to redeem them, right? These love songs, a lot of these love songs we sing. I think I, I always say this. I believe just as confused people are of God, they are equally confused about love because God is love. Right? We all know that there is an aspect of us in which we crave love. We all desire it. But we also got to remember God is love. And we, don't, we can't love properly without, love, without God. Can't love without God. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we're on this journey together as a church, we are growing up in our identity as loved sons and daughters. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to not just die for our sins, but to give us a mirror reflection of who we are. Lord, we, dis we are discovering that love is the way. Love is the truth. Love is the life. We are discovering that love is the greatest and it brings out the best in us. But we also learn that we cannot love without you. So God, as you make yourself known to us, and as Hungry for God begins to become hungry for this encounter that you said, love surpasses knowledge so that we can be filled with the fullness. I pray, God, that everyone in this room will have steady encounters with you, steady experiences with you, that, Father, consistently we will be persuaded in our hearts, day in and day out, how loved we really are. My God. Creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Set our hearts free. Set our minds free. And we choose to simply rest in this place of love. There's nothing higher than this. There's nothing higher than this. It's the greatest. No revelation can supersede this one. So, Father, thank you that in your love, we will be found. We don't want to leave this place. We don't want to leave this place. Hallelujah. Just tell the Lord how much you love him really quick. Come on, just tell him. Just express your gratefulness. Come on, even if you don't feel loved, just tell him, I love you because you first loved me. I love you because you first loved me. I love you because you first loved me. You see, some of us, the love of God is so far from our minds because the people around us probably didn't love us properly. They didn't show us, the lo show us love. 
so we may not know how to properly receive it yet. But just knowing that God loved you first changes everything. Uh, which, man, we believe it. And if we believe it, we'll know it. We'll experience it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just thank him. I want you to do an experiment this week. This week, I want you to wake up, and the first thing you do in the morning, just begin to thank God for his love. As simple as that. I want you to just get rooted and grounded there. And I want you to go to sleep at night thinking about the fact that you're loved. So let that be the first thing you think, the last thing you think about at night, and let that be the first thing you think about in the morning. I am loved, and I know I'm loved because he first loved me. I know I'm loved because Jesus died for me. I know I'm loved, and allow that love to begin to penetrate your heart and your mind. And I believe simply by doing that, the love of God is going to begin to bring correction. The love of God is going to begin to make amends. The love of God is going to begin to, to steer and direct and compel your life in the way that it should go. Just because you have an awareness of how loved you are. You won't make as many stupid decisions as you used to because you're going to know the love of God keeping you day in and day out. Amen. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.